Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Law. A bit frazzled to start because Patrick Mahomes is a threat to everything. To everything. I'm hanging on to a fantasy lead, folks. With me as always, DJ Mark. What's up? Also with me, Lavender Goobs. You see, one of the great things about getting blown out is that I have no stress. Yeah, Mike had the worst draft you can imagine. It's entirely his fault. And also joining me. Kid presentable. Staying undefeated, so I'm pretty good on this. This is why he's talking shit, because if I win, I'm the only other undefeated team. All right? We're hanging on, guys. We're hanging on. Just for context, for those of you listening, because the game's long over by by now. The man's got four touchdowns, and the the first half isn't even over. Anyway, um, we weren't here last week. A couple of us couldn't do it, namely me. Got a little busy. And uh, quite frankly, you probably wouldn't have enjoyed the show last week because I would have been a really angry person. Stefan would have been a really angry person. Uh, Mark and Mike probably would have been angry-ish. I'm going to go with. I bailed I bailed as hard and as fast as I could, Bobby. So he said, like, I'm not going to be able to do this show. Do you still want to do it? I'm like, no, nah, we're out. We'll <laughs> and then Mike was like, oh, you know, it is going to be 400. That's kind yes. of a big mouth. And I was like, Mike, that's a valid point. I'm just lazy as fuck. And I saw it out and I took it. <laughs> Yeah, so this is episode 400. We started this podcast in March of 2012. I remember um, those days. Yeah, and we were young-ish. No, we were younger in our 20s. Not so much anymore. Um, I had a purple mohawk then. I got blue hair now. Not too much has changed. Just the hue and the shade. Um, I like the sport a whole lot less 400 episodes later. but Yeah, way to go UFC on that one. Totally your fault. Um, we're going to talk about UFC 253, folks. Uh, it's just, you know, we saw a virtuoso performance by a man. Another man got embarrassed while trying to act like he wasn't getting hurt. We saw the return of Polish power, which I want to say that was Ivan Putsky, but I, I didn't watch wrestling in the 60s and 70s, so you all, y'all going to help me out on that one. But I want to say Ivan Putsky, because um, Dominic Reyes got smashed. Um See if there's any news this week. Um, there really doesn't appear to be because I, quite frankly, don't know if Conor McGregor and Dana White having their bi-monthly pissing match is really anybody's worth anybody's efforts. Uh, we're going to talk about Holly Holm. Irene, I, I, it's Irene, right? Not Irene. I, Irene. Irene. Aldana fight. Um, a really good one where I'm battling my heart and my head and heart are battling over who I'm going to pick. A um, couple other fights in that card. Uh, one we're picking just because I, I like Court McGee. So we're going to pick that fight. Um, then, you know, a little episode 400 memories, stuff we like. Um, yeah, let's get into it. Um, Israel Adesanya taking on uh, Israel, the last airbender Adesanya, I should say. It was real adorable, by the way, this week when Ariel Hawani saw his son was reading something. He says, my son was reading this and it was a comic book for Avatar. Um the last airbender, the last airbender. Air, last airbender. And he's like, is this where Izzy got his nickname? And all the responses were like, Jesus Christ, Ariel. 
Get it together. Get on this. For a guy with a, his finger usually on the pulse, so far away from it. I mean, I don't know what the fuck it is. I, I barely know anything about it, but I know there was a bad movie, and I, I, people like it a lot. And that's how you know the movie was bad, is they really let him down. And that's a good fan base. Um, Israel Adesanya uh, making his return to the octagon, taking on Paulo Costa, the man he was originally going to face next, because uh, Paulo Costa defeated is um, Yoel Romero back at, uh, I don't know, let's say a year ago. Um, then Paulo Costa couldn't fight because reasons, I don't remember. Um, Yoel fought Izzy. Yoel didn't move. And Izzy's like, well, I'm, I'm not going to just dive into your power. And the fight was bad. But here we are. Paulo Costa spent mm, a year making jokes, talking shit about how he's going to crush this kid. Um, he had nothing for him. He got smoked. It was an embarrassing performance. He did little in this fight. Um, have Mark break it down here about what exactly happened. But Marcus, just as you go into it, this reminded me of an Anderson Silva fight. Not in that Izzy was doing weird taunt shit or anything. It's just that I, I look like one guy was just multiple levels, like just way ahead of the other person on like every level of the fight game. At least how I viewed it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, Paul Costa, he got caught up in, you know, what will be the puzzle to to beating Izzy is, you know, how to negate his stand-up, how to trap him, how to get yourself in positions where you're not going to be in free movement, where Izzy's extremely dangerous. And it's a difficult task, you know, that that is going to be the key to figure out how to beat this man um, and, and get him in situations that we just have to assume he's not as strong in, that being the clinch and on the ground. Um, in wrestling transitions and you know Paul Costa is a, a big strong guy and he, he has a decent ground game so one would think on paper you know the game plan had to be around cornering Izzy getting him in clinch scenarios getting him you know against the cage where maybe Paula could take him down and implement some of the jiu-jitsu um, you know make Izzy work from the bottom stuff like that those are those are things where we have to assume because we haven't seen Izzy there or spend a lot of time in those positions where he's just not going to be as strong um, but the whole problem with that is that the fight's going to st start up standing and you have to negate that area and that range and trap Izzy. And that's something that he's been very good at eluding. And that's what he did extremely well in, in this fight. Well, Paulo Costa would come forward and try to pressure Izzy. There was no offense on his end. Um, you know, he didn't attempt to even throw some takedowns just to get Izzy to think about like this guy might shoot on me. It was mostly him trying to pressure him coming forward. Izzy, spending time on the outside, peppering that leg in the first round, doing a lot of good work there. And, you know, uh, Bobby, like you mentioned, before the fight and during the fight, Paul Costa was trying to play a lot of mind games, taunting Izzy, you know, making jokes about Romero, you know, doing some of the stuff Romero used to do. Um, but ultimately, you know, this was a very different fight. Izzy was not tentative, really. He wasn't coming forward, but he was making Paulo Costa pay from waiting on the outside. Um, and then basically in the second round, you know, once Paulo Costa's leg was even more beat up, Izzy started throwing more offense, started mixing up the low kicks, uh, you know, hit him with a good question mark kick that landed nicely, that cut Paulo. And I think once he got the cut, that's where Izzy felt a little bit more comfortable exchanging in the pocket. And we kind of saw the same thing when he fought Robert Whitaker, where, you know, the first round is a lot of him downloading the fighter, seeing what his tendencies are, and, and really just finding out, like, when is it or is it going to be safe for me to sit in the pocket and even exchange with this guy? And eventually, Izzy got comfortable. He they got in one exchange where he was able to you know throw some punches in the uh, you know in the pocket, and then once that happened a second time after he landed a, another good kick, 
Um, you know, he caught him with some great hooks, and it was a left hook that just kind of grazed the the, the back of the ear, hitting on the opposite side that, you know, uh, made Paul Costa fall to the ground. Izzy followed up with great ground and pound, got right in the mount position, threw some good punches, and right when Paul Costa, um, you know, turned to his back, um, that's when the referee stopped the fight. Personally, I wouldn't have been upset if he let it go a little bit further. I don't know. I don't, I mean, it didn't look like things were going to turn around, but, you know, this is a championship fight. I, I would like to have seen Costa get a chance to try to work his way back up. But I'm not mad at the at Did the he stoppage. get up for the decision part? Was he up by that point? I think so. I, don't, I, took, he, him, I took him a hot minute to get up. Because when like. he finished him, he turned to his back and he was on his knees. So it wasn't like he was like fully laid out. And I mean, honestly, Bob, when I once the fight's over, I could give fuck all what else happens in the octagon. That's no, no, you said like, I mean, but, if you wanted to go longer, I thought maybe like, I thought he was down and hurt. I don't remember. I know the, oh, I, I, know, the co like, I know the co-main event, the loser was crushed, but I still remember the main event. In, in both fights, there's a lot of similarities in both of them. And I thought in both cases, they could have let it go a little bit longer. I don't, I, it probably would have just resulted in one of these guys just getting smashed a little bit more, but they weren't in like the worst positions in the world. I would have, you know, if he could have got, gotten Paul Costa's back, and punched him five more times, fine. Um, but he was still kind of moving and stuff, but he was he was moving into a less advantageous spot. You know, giving your back is, one, a way to stop taking sh strikes straight to the face. It's also a way to build up your base. You know, I, 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 I'm not upset with the stoppage. It's just for a championship fight, I don't mind the guys getting a little bit more leeway. Maybe someone gets flatlined, you know, this... You know, this is a brutal sport, but this is also the crux of, you know, the highest you can go in your division is fighting for a championship fight. So, you know, I, I kind of feel like you should give these guys as much opportunity to try to make that comeback. Um, but like, I don't think yeah, the outcome. I, I'm not I don't mad. Think either, I don't think either one of them said anything either. I don't think either one of them. It was really mostly just when I watched both of them, I was like, you could have let him hit him three more times. I, I think really I think in the, I think in the co-main event he saw Dominic raise his nose. He's like, we should probably we should probably stop. What I'm hearing is all their time. Mark has a very, you know, he has a very reasonable, you know, low-key take. Um, but what I'm sensing is he just got the bloodlust. Those were two of the most one-sided title matches we've ever yeah. seen. <laughs> so to ultimately have the take of, like, I'd like to see him get his ass well, kicked a little bit more. Well, Steph, it's, it's the bloodlust, Mark. You got Steph, the Steph, I mean, was I, uh, I mean, I got a little, maybe I got a little hyperbolic at the beginning there, but I was, I mean, Izzy's incredible. That was a virtuous performance. I'll say it again. What'd you think? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I mean, I thought... The co-main was incredibly one-sided, mm -hmm. and then the main main blew that out of the water in terms of competitiveness or lack of thereof. Um, yeah, it's you know Izzy. His logical comparison is he's Anderson Silva 2.0. Um, and look at Anderson's career, right? They were peppered with these uneventful fights where someone didn't want to engage him. Um, what was nice about this fight is you could see Izzy be the best of both worlds this kind of personal heat and vendetta, it channeled him to be more aggressive than he has been in certain other fights, right? Um, usually the type of guy he wants to fight is a... Steph, I think his dog just disconnected his yeah, microphone. Yeah, yeah, my dog. Uh, he's, uh, you know, it, of course that, that's got to happen on the 400th episode. You know, it's yeah. happened on 315 other ones. But, um, yeah, there's like I said, there's just some stinkers in it, right? Steph, if he doesn't I don't know what you did to your microphone, but you sound like this right now. You call it sounds, sounds like, like a you're very white. <laughs> Jesus. I think it's the gain one. Um, give it a shot now. 
Hey, how's the voice going? Are we still uh, Barry White sexy? You're okay now. But we should save. No, you should save that the next time you get you match with somebody on Tinder and you gotta do a video chat. This is. I mean, you gotta you gotta go with a professional setup like this now. <laughs> uh, my dog needs some attention. It happens, but um, that's all. I I don't want to get too redundant on it because uh, of the tech issues. But um, you know, Izzy's traditionally a counter striker, but here, you know, he had a reason to want to be aggressive. And he showed that when he's in that right mental space, he can be both. Um, he can be a devastating kiffa. You're not leading the dance either. So um, I just think that's going to be how Izzy is. Uh, John Jones is the same. There's It's hard being at the top, um, and not every dance partner is going to bring the best out of you. So um, there'll probably be other stinkers in the future, but like, you know, all this calling him fake hype. It's We've seen this just time and time again, right? Not every fight is going to be glorious, but um, if he can keep it this one-sided, um, he'll get to go down in history like he wants. All right, um, Mike. I mean, Paulo Costa, man, spent a year talking shit. But everybody talks shit. But, I mean, homeboy choked, huh? I, I don't think there's really any other word you can use besides that. What's What's really depressing and disappointing is he talked so much shit and me just going back to about august 21st i was already tired with the amount of memes and just shit talk that he was uh you know that he directed towards adesanya a lot of it you know very homophobic centric i mean there's really no other way to, way to put it and for him to talk that much shit and to talk that much shit about how he's gonna kill Adesanya, for him to essentially just be a you know a punching bag with with legs for for a round and a half. That's what exactly was his game plan? I know me and you talked about this during the day today, Bobby. But if that was his game plan to just try to walk down Adesanya, like that was a really stupid game plan. Well, he didn't even like get that far because I think his leg was compromised immediately. Like, immediately he started getting chopped down and wasn't checking anything. So, yeah, he really was. And then I saw he's all angry because Izzy, for lack of a better term, humped him after the fight and acted like he was going to jizz on his coaches. It was it was an eventful post-fight. The Anderson... <laughs> what? He, he humped him twice. He gave him the two-pump Pete. Yeah. He gave him that. And then after he gets his belt, he starts doing windmill in the octagon. I did like what he was doing. Like, I, I know the name of it isn't the fucking spin rooney but I watched wrestling for 20 years. When he started doing the the break dancing, though, I don't know if that what that, if that move has any names. But, what? Windmill? Was, was that the windmill? Yes. Okay, because I didn't know that was a windmill. Sorry. But yeah, he was the guy was still on the ground. <laughs> Then he ran around the octagon like a crazy person. And then he started dancing again when he was outside of the octagon where he told someone, hey, hold my belt. I want to dance. I mean, I did like, I mean, it's like the Anderson comparisons. Like Anderson, when the fight was over, the, the shenanigans ended. Izzy saved the shenanigans for after the fight, after he had dispatched this man. Um, Gogi, stop. So, uh, yeah, we got uh, Izzy doing work. Um, he wants, he said Jared Cannonier next. If Jared Cannonier beats Robert Whitaker. Shit, man, Mike, if you beat Robert Whitaker, you should get a title shot. If anybody beats Robert Whitaker, they should get a title shot at this in this weight class. Well, you know, I've been doing a lot more push-ups recently, so don't count me out in a in a fight against Robert Whitaker. But I don't know about that with, with Adesanya. I mean, Robert Whitaker was a pretty good champion and you know, he could very well beat Jared Cannonier. And weren't we in an uproar? 
just about you know two or three weeks ago that I forget which fighter it was, but the UFC essentially had him booked already to fight Dane. No, 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 we weren't in an uproar about that because anyone who was didn't realize, yeah, this guy's absolutely going to smoke him. Like, we're talking about Tremaine. Is that still happening? Tremaine was absolutely going to smoke him. Here's the thing. People people were upset about that, and that was supposed to be a crush fight. Yeah, but the UFC didn't book this. He's booking. He's saying himself, this, this is not even comparable, though. Like, it's not even the same thing. What is the UFC say? What is Dana White saying? I'm going to book this fight, which I don't know if it's even happening because now they're saying the guy's going to fight because Neil Magny says he wants to fight him because Neil Magny's got big, huge balls. Kind of question. I'd, I'd rather not sacrifice Damian Maia yeah. to him. I well, like Damian What Maia. did Damian Maia do to anybody? Damian Maia, that's, that's why Neil Magny agreed to fight because Neil Magny's like, hey, man, Damian Maia beat me and then I, got to, I went to his jujitsu seminar. I'm not trying to see Damian get hurt. <laughs> All right. That's not cool. All right, we'll see what happens in middleweight. Um, you look at those weight class, the guys who could fight, Izzy, you know, anything could happen. But I don't know who in this generation is going to be the one to get him. You might have to wait one, wait a generation. Um, I also learned that Paulo Costa said if he won the fight, he was going to immediately go up to light heavyweight, which now he's so offended, though, he needs to get an immediate rematch, he said, which that would be the worst fight they ever booked, that they could book right there. If they booked an immediate rematch to that fight. This, this really went from, you know, all the pre-packaged hype for it was this is the most anticipated or exciting fight in middleweight championship history to, well, for lack of a better word, just. Yeah, he got squashed. Um, all right, co-main event. Jan Blachowicz, uh, man who knocked out Corey Anderson, I believe, to get his contendership status. Dominic Reyes, the man who. Won two and a half rounds against John Jones to get his contendership status. Um, Mike and I picked Dominic Reyes. I'm going to tell you my logic. Dominic Reyes is good for about two or three rounds. I thought he could win three rounds. When he lost the first round, Stefan, I was like, oh, no. Th- that's one of the rounds he needs to win. <laughs> like, then I was like, oh, no, he's fucked. Um, well, I, t- I texted the uh, group. um Dominic's walkout song. I don't know what that is. It started with a one-minute voicemail bit. Yeah. Um, as soon as I heard that, I'm like, "This is not a champion. A champion doesn't come out to this nonsense. This this is going to be his championship walkout music. Get the fuck out of here with your one minute. I'm leaving a voicemail, and then we have to hear someone listen to the voicemail. The fuck is this walkout song, Dominic Grace? Marcus, that was Marvin's room. Marcus, that kick he got hit with early in the first, um, which had left a giant welt on him. Dominic, I said, uh, Jan Blockowitz's legs, man. He, my man's packing tree trunks because that was a giant welt off one kick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, I also picked uh, Jan Blockowitz in this one, um, and I was I was interested because uh, honestly, I was going to pick Dominic, and I mostly picked Jan just because you know, Bobby, you picked Dominic. I wanted to make it interesting. Okay, I was, I was surprised ask you that Mark has one. I want to just toss it up because you and I picked Jan, so I was curious. Did you do it to mix it up, or did you believe it? He literally Jan? told I, me. He literally told me in the office. I'm surprised Stefan took. Jan, I only took him because I want to make it interesting. Okay, well, I'll, come, I'll let Mark, I'll give you a speech, uh, but I'll, I'll go ahead and speak to that. Yeah, because I had reasons for why I picked Jan. Yeah, no, please. Um, Yeah, I guess because I think I was the only one who watched that Rockhold fight kind of going back a little bit um, when Rockhold came up. And I remember it's no one really believed in Jan at that moment because he kind of had a generic vibe to him. Um, but the one thing I noticed about him in all his fights, he, he does, he's not particularly dynamic, right? He's not particularly like super fast or flashy 
but man hits hard and he hits everyone. And that's just what that's why I picked him is I noticed when he fights and he connects on anything, it's really damaging. Like that body kick, when you see him on the replays, they just kind of look slapping. It doesn't look like he fully planted in them. But then that bruising that was going up the side of Dominic, that looked rough. And it's just that's what I just remember. That was my picture of him is like whenever his hands touch someone's face, it looks like their heads are exploding. Like those terrible ads. Like he just has so much raw power. And Dominic, he just. He was the one of, with all these light heavyweights that I was the most skeptical. Skeptical. Yeah. And, you know, then he kind of proved me wrong by being the one who actually got the title shot. But I couldn't shake this feeling that there was something. He had a runner up vibe to me. Um, I, I know that's kind of a not necessarily quantifiable thing, but that's just kind of the feeling I have with him. There's something. And that showed here that the skills are all there. But there's something missing with him putting it together. And so when Yon just started hitting him, like that was I was like, yeah, yeah, this is gonna be over easily. I it was more one sided than I expected, obviously. I'm not gonna take credit for that much, but I just had a I just pictured it in my head. Yon's gonna knock this kid out. Um, Marcus, uh, your thoughts on the fight before I mean I I have some thoughts on Dominic Reyes' overall approach, quite frankly. But go ahead, Mark. <laughs> uh yeah, I mean before we made our picks, I was favoring Dominic Reyes because I had been really impressed with his past performance. Um, and, le- and like Stefan alluded to, I've also been impressed with Jan Blockowitz's performance. And-, and that Luke Rockhold fight definitely does stick with me because my big takeaway with that, besides that, he hits hard because he fucking flatlined Luke uh, with a left hand. And the, the left hand is actually what ended the fight here. He's, this Jan Blockowitz has a fucking terrific left hook. Uh, Luke, yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. But the other aspect in the Luke fight was that, you know, Luke at middleweight was really dangerous because he threw really heavy kicks and they would just blow guys, you know, even, even dudes that were blocking them, just blow their arms away. You know, he does a lot of damage with those kicks. And when he fought Jan, like he just walked through all that shit, you know, Luke Rockwell was trying to blast him with kicks and the dude just wasn't having it. You know, he just was not affected. So I felt confident that like this guy's really tough. I haven't seen him get rocked or phased in any of his fights really. And he hits hard, you know, so I, I was, I was willing to, to roll the dice um, on Jan. What I was surprised in, in this fight with Dominic was one of the things I was most impressed with uh, Dominic in his fight against Chris Weidman was how he finished that fight. Going backwards, he threw a left straight that flatlined Weidman, and that's an extremely versatile skill to have, to be able to go backwards when someone's attacking you and to counter with a left straight when you're going backwards is a fantastic fucking a tool to have in your tool shed as, as a southpaw fighter. And it's something that was not here at this fight. Cause that's basically how Jan won this fight is he learned pretty quickly that Dominic Reyes defensive mode when he put offense on him was to cover up high and to, and to, and to walk backwards, you know, to skip out. And that's how he landed that left, uh, that left kick to the body is basically he threw some punches to the head. The guard went up bodies wide open and he blasted him there. And essentially in the second round, before he hit his winning um, you know, combination, he was able to basically pressure Dominic, get in, get in the pocket, get in his face, and then throw three or four punches. And I think, Steph, to, to one of your points, what Jan does really well is that he does hit really hard, but he also knows how to, how to patter a guy. And these first couple of combinations, yes, yeah. in his first couple combinations, they weren't super hard shots, but they were dynamic. He comes in with a jab, he comes in with an uppercut, he comes in with a hook. So you're getting punches from all different angles, and he was landing on Dominic. And once he started landing on Dominic in these pun- punching exchanges, it kind of made Dominic sit in the pocket. And in the ending sequence, he basically, they started trading with each other. Dominic threw a left high kick. He tried throwing a left hook. 
And then Jan came with a combination ending with the left hook, and, and that's what flatlined uh, Dominic Reyes. They went to the ground, and you know Jan did some ground and pound. And you know before it got real bad, the referee did stop it. Like I mentioned before, I thought it was a little soon. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have mind if you know we saw Dominic get his head bounce off the floor. This is a title fight after all. But Jan looked great, you know. And I'm not going to sit here and, and say like, oh, this is the the Jan Block Blockwitz era or anything. I do think the guy definitely has some holes. I don't think he's going to be champion forever. But you know, depending on who he fights, you know, you, you have to look at the guys. Uh, speed with his hands and his power and just, you know, like Stefan said, it's nothing flashy. We're not getting the stuff like Izzy where he's doing question mark kicks and he's just super dynamic. He's switching stances and throwing kicks off different stances. He's kind of a meat and potatoes guy, but when you get as good as he is with just your basic setups and, you know, being able to pull the trigger, he can cause a lot of problems for people. So it's, I think it's really interesting that he is now our lightweight champ, light heavyweight champion and it's going to be interesting to see, you know, who's coming up next. There's talk of John's coming back down. Because so I have a feeling, well, probably, Bobby, I'll, I'll lead this stuff to you. But, like, it almost feels like John Jones is like, I don't want this dude to be able to even get in the, the narrative of, like. He, he turned around on it. Yeah, like, tonight. John Jones never beat me. I'm really the best. And and I don't think, I I, I, I wanted John to go to heavyweight for so long. I And it's good that, you know, he's not getting baited into coming back down to reclaim his belt because at this point it's just like dude you you've killed this division for so long just let it let it grow a little bit so um but yeah there's a lot of interesting fights for yon and and he's Thiago he's not Santos an infallible fighter Tiago santos yeah. is the one that people it, who keep. who uh, they fought before right and I, think Santos beat him. I think santos so i was gonna knock them out yeah so i think it was like a tko or something i i, I saw recently but um yes yeah, so i think there's some interesting matchups and, and we've mentioned this before once a dominant champion kind of leaves the division it does kind of breathe some fresh air we're gonna get a new champion some some new matchups some new looks so that's kind of exciting um mike i got the impression from dominic reyes he got he almost beat john jones a lot of people gassed him up afterwards said he did beat john jones and he got screwed i think he was just feeling okay. himself and I don't think he took this as seriously as he should have. I think the fight started. Man started getting hit. Didn't know what to do about it. What did you think? Mike? Well, to your point about maybe he was feeling himself. Can you not hear me? You got your internet quality dropped off miserably. I can barely see you. Are you still there? There we go. All right. Can, can you hear me? Now we can. Bobby? Mike, log out and log back in. All right, can can you hear me? All right, let me let me log back out. Guys, episode four hundred. <laughs> hey, wouldn't be a classic. It's amazing radio if we didn't have all kinds of technical issues. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Mike back with a better connection. Hey, Mike is back with a better connection. Go ahead, man. Okay, uh, can you re? I guess we'll just reset. Ask the question again. Well, I was just, what was your opinion of Dominic Reyes and Dominic Reyes in this fight? I've, I, you've taken on the role of explaining the, how the loser let us down in these fight these fights so far. So let's. I said I thought he was feeling himself. Just came in, immediately got hit, didn't really know what to do, quite frankly. And Mark pointed out the well, yeah, that uh, there too. So mm-hmm. yeah, I get to your point about him feeling himself and his thought process and him, you know, moaning about that. Like he beat John Jones in that fight. I mean, my rationale for picking. Dominic Reyes was very a very simplistic, casual fan um, perspective, where I think I told you, well, he almost beat John Jones, 
And I guess if you're the guy who almost beats John Jones, that makes you the second best light heavyweight in the UFC. And since John Jones is no longer a light heavyweight, that makes him the best light heavyweight. Um, I can only imagine if that was my thought process, what his thought process was. He was probably thinking that he'll be able to dominate Jan Blachowicz, and that for sure didn't happen. Um, do I think he had a bad game plan? No, I just think Jan Blachowicz um, hits like a fucking Mack truck. Um, I'm pretty sure that he left indents of his toes on Dominic Reyes's ribcage. I don't um, think he took. You really I, can't was, do much when you get hit that hard. I thought the John John Jones fight was his first loss ever, and I don't think he took it as a loss and viewed it as an opportunity. I mean, I'm projecting on him a little bit here. We don't know what he did. But I, I mean, just, that's we saw that with another guy, right? That was the story of Alexander Gustafson. Yeah, I didn't want to compare him necessarily because I think Alex is a way better fighter. But it is, a, I mean, in terms of what happened, that does make sense. The mental things yeah. in terms of a guy who's like, he used to get that tattoo, right? Where he would notch all his wins. Mm. He accepted a lo- his loss to Phil Davis in there. But then when he lost to Jones, he's like, I'm not adding that to, ta- to my like record tattoo. Mm-hmm. That didn't actually happen. I think he, did like and, half, he did like half the thing. He did like a half. Like he acted like, like, like it was a, questionable. Yeah, but his like, trajectory was kind of kind of rocky from there. Um, um, two more comments I was going to make. Uh, a vote against uh, Mark wanting it to continue. Uh, did you see Reyes's nose? Because uh, he got uh, Owen wilson with that little zigzag across it. I think that's a vote. That it was stopped plenty in time. Uh, that nose didn't get need to be more reconstructed. Um, but about the thing about hitting, it just made me think of a comment that I've heard a lot of fighters say, the strikes that hurt are not the ones that knock you out. It's not the ones that are really loud. It's just the the generic thud ones. And, like, that's everything he hits with, whether it's the kicks, it's the punches. You don't really get that loud, like, pro wrestling style, like, chest chop, right? It's just these low things. But And I think, you know, like, to maybe why he didn't have that weapon uh, of the counter left, like Mark said, is I think that dude was just in pain. I think he was just getting his ass whooped all night long, like um, Roman Reigns did his little cousin, Bobby. He's got a, he's got a question, oh, question for you guys. Um, sorry for interrupting, Bobby, but... um. And I posed this question to Bobby um, when we were watching the fight as well, and I don't think he had an answer either. But you guys have been watching this a lot longer than I have. Um, have you ever seen someone's rib cage marked up like Dominic Reyes was on on Saturday? I've never seen that before. Not yeah. on one, not on one shot for me. Yeah, there's um, the first time Krokop fought Vanderlei Silva. Oh, he I hit him know. with. I mean, and again, another southpaw guy throwing, uh, you know, heat and the liver kick. Yeah, and that and that and, that, and and Mike back then that was like, hey, you can literally see his toe marks and his like shin bone uh, on Vanderlei. So that has happened before. Yeah, um, I didn't think about that one. That's a good call. What we're um, saying is, Jan, he's in left kick cemetery, uh, air of greatness. That's the space he's occupying. I, I know, like, um, people don't know who Dominic, who Jan is. A lot of people, I know, like, people bought this pay per view because of Izzy Adesanya, like my little brother. My little brother at this point watches all the pay per views and then complains that they're bad. That's how it works with him. But he was saying, like, this, you know, this is their champion under this division. This was like the marquees. Like, isn't this was a big, uh, this division a big deal? And this guy is, you know, not, you know, he's not American. His English is okay, you know. And I and I'm like I mean that's fair I guess but really like um, Poland really likes MMA. Um, I remember I mean they had a champion. They had a you know Joanna champion. Joanna champion. Um, they had Joanna champion. It wasn't you know. And I remember I visited. Uh, I wasn't even I wasn't even in Poland. I was in I think I was in the Czech Republic. But like all the Adidas stores or what what brand? She was Adidas right or no Reebok. Reebok. 
There was like two different re Reebok stores I went to, and then Joanna's all over it. And, you know, Poland has a pretty good MMA regional scene, too. They got um, KSW, where a lot of guys come from. So I don't think if, I mean, I think if everybody, if anybody ever gets to go anywhere ever again, then go to, then go do a pay-per-view there, you know, they can sell him in Poland. I mean, he's not a household name coming into this and maybe not immediately so coming out of it, but what this man has, he has a highlight reel in knockouts. Like this is an easy problem in terms of who to push. There have been so many wrestle fuck boring wrestler champions in the history of the UFC that they've had to promote the heavy handed kicking guy who flatlines everyone like they have something they can work with even if he's not uh i think yet. i think we're gonna have a champion maybe not on the same level of entertainment but um very similar to robbie lawler where he is not complete he is not unbeatable but damn it if he's not gonna give you an entertaining fight well i mean i i mean i know they have they were trying to book it was kind of almost like a mini tournament it was this fight and the other fight is uh, glover versus tiago santos but I think Tiago's gotten COVID twice, or somebody, I, I, whatever. Um, they're gonna fight. I believe November. they both did. They both got COVID. That's what it is. Um, they're fighting in November. Honestly, I mean, I like Glover. He seems like the nicest guy, quite frankly. You know, he was literally apologizing while whooping Anthony Smith's ass. I do. You, I they, you got to get Tiago Santos a title shot, man. Tiago Santos almost beat John Jones with one leg. Tiago Santos beat the current champion, like. Not that long ago. It was 18 months ago he knocked out the current champion. And you said he's fighting Glover, right? Yeah, and the winner of that's getting a title shot, almost certainly. Yeah, I mean, Glover would deserve it, too. And again, we all like Glover. Seems like a nice guy. He's not to be... I mean, he's he's on a roll, too, in fairness. I think he's won three or four in a row, but we kind of know what Glover is. I mean... But remember, Bob, Jones is gone. Yeah, this it's is kind of... Glover new. has it's... a realistic shot to potentially get and the belt. It has, is... Glo has Glover beat him? Have they fought? Who, Jones? No, Dion and Glover. Oh, I don't think so. No, I, don't I don't think they fought. Okay. Isn't, that the, now, well, no. isn't that the beauty about all of this as well, though? Now that John Jones is no longer in the division, all of these guys get a nice new polish, a new veneer. You know what? When, when, when a champion, long-term champion goes away, there's always like a moment of... There's always a period of like unrest almost. Well, not always, very often, until it kind of settles into the new guy. And I don't know. This is We're going to see if Jan's going to be the guy who immediately settles it, or we're going to watch We're going to watch the belt you know, bounce around for a bit. So, um, all right, there's other fights on this card, quite frankly. Um, I thought I was really excited for the Hakeem Duwadu fight, and then nothing happened except him screaming at the guy to fucking fight me and stop fucking running, and then the referee telling him language. And, you know, show respect, which was probably the best part of that fight. Diego Sanchez keeps losing. Look bad. Simple as that. Looked real bad. Um, fight of the night was Kai Kara France and Brandon Royville, which was a good fight. Um, Kai Kara, all of his fights are good, quite frankly. They're exciting. And flyweight fights, generally more exciting than others. Um, knockout, the performances of the Knights are the guys who won the belts. That That's what we saw. Um, news this week. We're going to talk a bit of news. Uh, by the way, this pay-per-view was really thin, right, Steph? Like, I mean... Yeah, outside of the title, I mean, they gave us two title fights, so the rest of the main card was a bunch of undercard fights. Yeah. Um, the one, uh... Now I'm reading that Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier agree to an exhibition fight. 
Jesus Christ. All right, fuck it. Let's just pick this next card and move on with our lives. Wow, okay. No, this actually doesn't seem like a bad thing. Now I feel bad for shitting on it. Where he just said, do you want to do an MMA charity fight? Zero to do with the UFC. I will donate half a mil towards your charity. This is Connor. Sell it on pay-per-view or work a TV deal and we work out other charities that are close to my heart also. I'm engaged in many. Strictly charity exhibition. I think why? it's great. They're independent contractors, so they can do this type of thing. Yeah. Why, why are you risking brain cells for no money? Mike, he knows it pays off. Look, you, you is, help, this, you help not, the charity, yeah, and then I you mean, to go on the yacht in the south of France to do your charity work. There's different benefits, but I mean, I, I think, wait, uh, is this with him and uh, Diego, you said? No, no, Dustin Poirier. And Dustin, Dustin's a big charity guy. Dustin has all those charities he does. That's true, yeah. Yeah, and at some point, Connor did a... Uh, Called DC a fat fool today on Twitter. That that's <laughs> kind of fun. That made me laugh. I don't know why. Like I'm a big guy too. I can laugh. I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Fuck it. If they want to do it, and look, the UFC. If, if Connor, if Connor wants to out of spite be the guy to challenge their bullshit contracts, God bless him. So let's see. Um, <laughs> and I think he picked the right guy because Dustin's not exactly thrilled with the UFC either. No, I mean, Dana threw them both under the bus, right? He told everyone neither of them want to have fights. Oh, like, I did, well, we'll I did fight like fight each other, so take that. Someone made a compilation on Twitter after Dana said this guy doesn't want to fight about Dustin. And it was just every headline of Dana White saying he did, this guy doesn't want to fight. There was about 15 of them, different people, him saying they don't want to fight. There's two people this works on, though. Um, all right. Um, UFC this weekend. Holly Holm, Irene Aldana. Um, they booked this thing like three times, right? I think. It's seriously they one of the many COVID postponements of MMA. They really got to be stopped doing this shit where like they rebook something for two weeks later. That's not enough time to recover a lot of times from this thing. Man. Well, I mean, that's why with the Kutaleba fight where we, we had like four postponements of that. Yeah, where it keeps going. Um, this one's also on Fight Island. They're on Fight Island for a little bit here. Um, Holly Holm is coming into this one. I don't remember the last time she fought. This is everything's a blur at this point. But last time we saw Holly Holm was when she took on uh, Raquel Pennington. Beat her again back in January. Jesus, been a while. Um, Aldana has been on a roll, folks. Aldana is one, I mean, one roll, roll. She's won two of three, well, two straight. Losing to Raquel Pennington, a split. Before that, she'd won three straight. Five of six overall, really coming into her own there. Um, this is a really close betting line. Really close. Stefan, why don't you give it to us? Um, yeah, this is basically the coin flip card that we're picking here. But Holly Holm as a minus 120 favorite to even money on Irene Aldana. I'm going to let you, Stefan, decide who's picking in what order here. So go ahead. I'll go first because I expect you guys to all fall in the same line. Um, so I may as well be the dissenting vote. I'm going to take Aldana. Um, y'all know I ride with Team Lobo Jim, even though I simultaneously critique the hell out of them and say they all need to go to a better gym. But uh, since they choose not to, um, I'm going with the ladies of Mexico. Um, Holly Holm absolutely has the skill set to point this to a very, very boring decision because Aldana is primarily a boxer. Mixes and kicks every now and then, but boxing. What, what was that shit I told you, bro? Head versus heart for me on this one? Because I'm like... yeah. Um... <laughs> Home winning is the boring outcome. You know, um, it's the most likely. Um, but it's just that Aldana is not even, I wouldn't even classify her as a kickboxer. She is a boxer first and foremost who will throw some kicks. So 
to say is she a better boxer than Holly Holm? It seems like a fool's errand. But um, at some point, this this fades for Holly. She's been at this a very long time. Young. And so Aldana, all I can say is she has momentum. She got the first knockout of her UFC career in her last fight. So that's really where she's coming from. And like I said, I've given Team Lobo a lot of crap that maybe they're just not high level enough to really uh, help these girls to the next level. But maybe if they take, they're taking a leap, um, you know, uh, Alexa Grasso had her best UFC fight in her last um, performance. So maybe I could be totally wrong, but um, I'll hope that Aldana's uh, momentum carries her here. But it is, it's, it's, it feels like a bigger uphill than the line says. Right. Stefan taking Aldana. Who's next? Let's go with article boy Mikey. All right. Um, I'm actually going to be joining you on this pick, uh, Steph. Um, Holly Holm, I think, is like 38, 39. Um, okay. She's been in the game a long time. And there has to come a point where I start doing the thing where I start saying someone's about to be uh, over the hill. And this is going to be the fight where, where it shows its head. And I am going to start that train with Holly Holm with this fight. Um, Aldana is about eight years younger. She's coming into her own. And... You know what? I'm going to start it, and I'm going to look like a genius if this shit comes true. But Holly Holm is going to show up looking washed in this fight. Okay. Well, it's a, it's a fucking coin flip fight. You're not going to look like a genius. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I figured we were going to save the laundry room analogies for the last fight we're picking, but okay. Stefan, who's next? <laughs> Mark, you want to put some uh, distance between us, or do you want to ride that hot hand? Yeah, no, I mean... um. I think this is stylistically a really interesting fight. You know, as you guys have mentioned, you know, uh, their strongest attributes will play into each other. Um, I am going with Holly Holm. I, I feel like if there's anything I've learned, you know, throughout her career in, in MMA is that she's a really good point fighter. She's really good at pacing herself, at throwing a lot of strikes, even if they don't land, and, and winning decisions via that. Um, you know, she hasn't really been stopped by strikes too often, which I would think Aldana's like best chance is to get a little gritty, get in the pocket and try to throw some heavier hands. Cause on the outside, it's going to be tough for either of these girls to really like, I think make headway, but what we know Holly will do is she'll strike a lot. Um, yeah, I don't expect a lot of those to land and the ones that land probably won't be super damaging, but I think I see her outpointing Irene. For uh, Aldana to, to win this fight, I think she has to get in the pocket. She has to make it dirty. She has to, you know, get into range where she's going to be able to throw those power strikes and land it. And I think that's kind of a hard ask for someone against Holly. So, you know, I, I'm picking probably, you know, the, the less brazen pick, maybe the, the less exciting pick. But I think Holly Holm has kind of proven that she can win these types of fights. Um, so I'm going with her. Mike, did you want to give us a, actually a what, what where, we, where we are in the standings right now? I can do that. How badly um, Mark is trouncing us. Well, Mark and Steph went two and zero last week with our picks. Me and you just went one and one, so we lost the game on, on Mark. And um, going into October, with three months left, Mark is uh, starting to sadly pull away. He's first with a record of fifty-seven and twenty-five. You're second with fifty and thirty-two. So I'm you're seven. I'm yeah. seven games back. Fuck, That's who right. cares anymore? Mark won. That's Congrats, right, brother. Three-time champion. I can't come back from seven. Uh, there's, no, I, there's no amount of... <laughs> can, can, can I finish the update? Go ahead. Go ahead. Trust me, I, I'm mired in misery just like you are. Um, I am nine games back at 48 and 34, and 
Kid P is at 45 and 37. By the way, we're picking way better than last year. Like last year, we were like barely hovering over 500. It's been a collective improvement as a team, to be just honest. Having, just having fun, guys. Just having fun. Um, uh, you want me to pick Steph? It's my turn, after all? Uh, no, let's just skip Bobby entirely since I'm in charge of this. Bobby, you, uh, you get a just dash mark here. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> I was going to mess it up. Um, I... Uh, I'm not happy. I'll take Holly home. <laughs> Don't let Mark pull away, Bobby. Just just copy the train. I he's gonna win anyway. That's the thing. Like if I'm just trying to make moves, I pick Aldana. But like, I, I you got to be I, tactical gonna, and which ones you're gonna break apart. Yo, you got to feel real confident. Me. You're gonna start seeing me pick some weird picks. Mike, right now, I'm, I'm telling either, you, Mike's picking Justin Gaethje against Khabib. That's happening for sure. I'm, I'm either winning or I'm coming in dead dead last. <laughs> Bobby, you just got to stick. I'm just following all. You said heart versus head. No, it's all heart this year, baby. 2020 is all heart. Um, Co-main event. Or I don't know if it's the co-main event. It's the fight we're picking next. Juliana Pena coming back. Her last performance we saw her was beating up Nico Montoya about a year ago. Um, taking on Jermaine, the first ever UFC Women's Featherweight Championship. The champion, and she said, no, nah, I don't want that. Jermaine Durandamy. Coming back from trying to win a lower belt, a lower weight class's belt, where she survived against Amanda Nunes. By the way, congratulations to Amanda Nunes and Nina Ansaroff on becoming parents. And if there's something, and if you are one of those people who has a problem with that, I hope you suffer personally in many ways. Anyway, um, Juliana Pena taking on Jermaine Durandamy. Mark, why don't you go ahead and pick the order here? Uh, Mike, why don't you start us off? Oh, sorry, my stuff on betting lines. Um, same as the last fight. Uh, we got minus 120 for Jermaine Durandamy and even 100 Juliana Payne. Like I said, the, the odds makers are not paying attention to this card. They're no, just they like, even, whatever, yeah. choose whichever side you want. Yo, Mark, what's yeah. up with that? You scared? You want me to pick first, so that way uh, I don't pick against you? What's up no, I mean, I, I was just looking at Durandamine's record, and Bobby threw it to me, and I was I like, uh, Mike, why not? You, you didn't go, no, you didn't no, go no, first no, or last. last. Follow, I don't care. We, we, follow, we follow the, you know, what, what Mark says. Yeah, you just, um, just give me the screws, Bobby. Uh, you, you know how it is. We all do it to you. <laughs> Whoever the host is gets the screws put to him. You just get abuse, man. Everybody just gives you shit. God all right, so I'm nice and tight over here, Mike. You put the screws to me. Who are you picking? No, I'm I'm going with Durandamy. Um, obviously, this was a lot of years ago at this point, but her essentially ducking um, Cyborg after she won the 145 title um really put a bad taste in my mouth with uh durandamy for a long time but that doesn't change the fact that she has gotten a lot better as a as a full mixed martial artist um you know since that fight um they don't hand out participation trophies but um if there was ever anyone who who does get a gold star for their performance especially against amanda nunez it would be durandamy so i'm giving her a lot of credit for that and Juliana Pena, um, you know, if either because of I think it was a torn ACL or, you know, a child she had maybe about a year ago. She hasn't fought very much in the last two to three years. So I think she's kind of stalled um, as a mixed mar martial artist, hasn't uh, progressed very much. And I think the randomly has. Okay. Uh, you know, Bobby, you were so excited to give me your pick on this one. Why don't you go next? Oh, I got Juliana Pena. 
I got Juliana Pena. Um, my everything Mike said was probably right. She doesn't fight a lot. Um, there's one thing I know about Jermaine Durandamy is that she's not good at takedown defense. You can take her down whenever you want, pretty much. And Juliana Pena kind of um, her fight style is really get you on the ground and beat the fuck out of you. That is what she does. She gets on top of you, starts dropping bows, bunches, bunches, fucking ferocious. Um, she's fight sporadically now, so you don't know, but I think she can take her down if she wants. If it stays standing, she's going to get her ass kicked, to be clear. It's a bad idea. Very bad idea. Goes to the mat, though. Jermaine doesn't really have anything for her. So, yeah, that's my pick. Yeah, and Steph, why don't you finish this off before I give my pick? See, now I don't know if I've gaslighted myself because, like, <laughs> I just listened to Mike and Bobby talk. And, like, I have a completely different picture in my head than what both of them have said. <laughs> like, I don't think that... Wait, Jermaine how? Has... We're, we're on the other side of each... I know, but this, this is why I'm really confused right now. Is <laughs> uh, I don't think Jermaine's gotten better at all. I think she's just pretty good, but there's a big gulf between her and the next tier. So there's just, like, she's significantly better than those who she beats, and she's significantly below those she loses to, is kind of how I see her. Um, and then, contrary to you, Bob, in my head, I pictured she had solid takedown defense. She's only been taken down by, like, really good grapplers, not, like, any schmuck grappler. So now I don't know if I know who Jermaine Duran of me is. Obviously, I do, but I'm just saying I'm really confused in my head right now. This is all a weird way of saying I'm picking her. I don't like Juliana Pena. Never liked her. She's. I've always found her personality incredibly grating. I don't like anybody um, in this fight, Stefan, at all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, we all gave her shit for not wanting to fight Cyborg. I don't want to fight Cyborg either. Look, I'm not going to give people shit for I, things I agree with. Like, I didn't yeah, like you should lie about her. it. If she put it on Front Street, like, the fuck, I'm going to fight Cyborg. Fuck you. Um, do you see her? I'm not fighting her. I Look, Connor won his belt, and then he never wanted to defend it either, right? He immediately wanted to move on to other things. We celebrated him. I think you're just being a little sexist. So, Stefan, Mike, um, sure. Mike, I'd like you to write in the predictions article that Stefan is picking Jermaine Durandamy because she is like Connor McGregor. I want you to write that right next to his pick. A stand-up fighter with a weak grappling game? I believe that fits uh, ever so well, Bobby. Irish? Everything? Oh, she's not Irish. She's definitely Irish. <laughs> She uh she punched an old man for not drinking her whiskey. All all of the above. It's all true. She's fighting. Planning, a, planning a charity case. Planning a charity fight with Dustin Poirier. All the same thing. I've uh, <laughs> I've placed Kid P parentheses because she's like quote Conor <laughs> McGregor. Uh, Mark, what you go on your thing? Yeah. Uh. I honestly, I I was. I'm also gonna pick uh Jermaine Durandamine, but. Uh, I think Bobby made a lot of good points. Uh, I made one good point, Mark, but I thank you for admitting it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know. I, th I think you really nailed it. And I think, um, step what Bobby's probably alluding to is the Man of Newness fight, where she took her down like at will. Once she found out, like, oh, I can do this pretty much whenever I want, she kind of ran clinic on her. I have to imagine Pena saw that too, and it's like, okay, well, that's that's how you beat this uh, woman. You know, that that is easily an Achilles heel. That is something that I can exploit. Um, but what I do like about uh, Jermaine is, you know. She is a good striker. She is really rangy, and she uses that range pretty well. If she can keep Pena on the outside, I think she's going to do pretty well here. And the one thing I kind of like in these scenarios where – because Pena is aggressive, and I think clinch scenarios are going to play out in this fight. Um, and that's going to, I think, be a little bit to Pena's advantage because I think she does need to get to the ground. And I think off the clinch, there's lots of trips you can potentially do with uh, uh, Jermaine. But what I also like about her is that 
Jermaine has a pretty good clinch too. She she throws good knees, you know, and I think she's going to be a little bigger. She's definitely going to be taller. If she can muscle her up a little bit and not get bullied against the cage, I think she can do well here. But Bobby, we're going to know pretty quickly. I think in the first minute or so, Pena gets her down. It's like, okay, yeah. we called this one wrong. I'm glad at least Bobby well, gets you know Pena because we look really stupid. You know, lot, you know a lot of time when they say like classic striker versus grappler and everybody's yeah. just oh, like, yeah. but people go like, man, it's 2020. These guys are complete fighters in this fight. This is a striker versus a grappler. Um, and it's not just that Jermaine gets taken down. She just is there. Yeah. And like I think that she's just there for five minutes. And I think what, <laughs> what Mike said, too, about Pena is like, I ha I know she's a good grappler, but it seems like I haven't seen her fought in years. I have like a, I don't have as clear pic picture of her as I do uh, during. I mean, so yeah, I'm pick I'm going with her. But I think that's going to be an interesting fight. And I would not be surprised if what Bobby laid out is it, the reality we, we face come next you're, week. You're right with the one minute thing. Though. We're going to know real quickly where this is going. Yeah, because right, Penny's going to go for it and she's either going to get it or she's not going to get it. And she's going to run into knees and punches on the way. And she's going to have who, a whole who different. Are you more whose tank are you more worried about in a fire? It's just actually it's not five rounds. What am I saying? Who cares? Yeah, I think Durant is gonna be fine because she's only gonna have three. And she, I think she's gonna well, she's gonna have to pace herself if she's winning, she's gonna be pacing herself. If she's losing, she's gonna get tired and try to scramble and yeah. you know, not gonna be great. Yeah, Julia Mike's right though, and that's Juliana. I mean, she had she had a kid, so she was gone for a little bit, but then she hasn't fought in a year. Maybe she didn't want to fight during a you know, fucking global pandemic. But uh she was there was a hot minute there where like this girl's gonna get a shot, probably the way she's. Running she blew people. past my expectations when she yeah, was on she the was, show. I didn't people. think much of her, and I think it was when she beat Cat. I was like, "Oh shit!" Like, okay, yeah, now you're legit. So yeah, definitely, there's some heat on her. Yeah, I mean, it's only loss she has. In the, I mean, she's only lost in the UFC. She has is uh, Shevchenko, where Shevchenko got her with an armbar, I think. And that one, that was, but a Valentina's just you know that's the elite of the elite. You can lose to her. Um, We're on uh, episode 400, as we alluded to. Um, can I say something I'm sad about? Um, for people who are with us now, presumably you've heard some of our past episodes. Um, that's the first time Mark's ever said Jermaine Durandamy, and he said it multiple times. As the man who coined the fusion name Durandamy, and like fucking Ariel used that like a month <laughs> or two ago. Mark, how are you just going to drop it? You, you had the thing. I, I had the name right in front one? of me, so every time I didn't have to think about it, I just read it, and I was like, okay, that's right. My favorite Markism is uh, what he calls Alex Caceres, Alex Carolexis, who that, that was years. a different fighter who doesn't look anything like him, but is probably just as good, <laughs> honestly, skill level-wise. Um, all right. Um, we're picking one more fight. This podcast is going super long. Um, Carlos Condit. Who was nice to me on Twitter once? Court McGee, who was nice to all of us about five times. Real talk. <laughs> there was a point where we couldn't lose Court McGee. All right, he was everywhere we went. All right, really nice guy though. I mean, you listen to his podcast for episode four hundred. You know that Court McGee tried to give Stefan a coupon for a watch. Stefan didn't use it, but I mean, you they, know, were still pretty, they were still pretty expensive, man. Yeah, we, we are make, we are making tough winter money, which well, we probably are. He, Court and I hope they gave you the watch for free, man. That was an expensive watch. Betting odds for this one, Stefan. We have friend of the podcast, Court McGee, coming in as the slight favorite at minus 135 to plus 115, Old Man Condit. Old Man Condit has lost six of seven fights. Um, the uh, only win in there are is... Sure, uh, are we sure Court McGee isn't older than Carlos Condit? It, it might be close. Condit's not even not physically old. It's not like age-wise old. He's thirty-six, 
But Carlos Khan has been in some shit. I mean, Carlos Khan has got fight miles, and Court McGee has surviving heroin addiction. So you tell me who has more miles. Honestly, yeah, Carlos Khan me... fought Robbie Lawler, and they both almost killed him themselves, killed each other, and no one's been okay since. That's what happened five years ago. Um, he's lost a lot of fights. I hope he's not just fighting for money, and he wants to do this. Um, Court McGee has lost a lot of fights. He's lost four or five. Um, Court McGee is 35 years old. He is younger. Um, no, just by a few months. He turns honestly, 30. He's been, a, he's been in the UFC for a long time for a guy who's 35. He was, he was 25 when he showed up? Goddamn. Um, Mike, you go ahead and make us pick. Uh, man, I really shouldn't use that washed reference in the first fight. Because... See, I'm telling you, you wasted it. We Ooh. All our laundry room references could have been right now. <laughs> if there is... If there is one where some Tide Pods and some Bouncy has been used, this is with these two guys. Oh, man. Um, I'm going to go with Carlos Condit. I oh, think. Man, I, I was telling you to pick through the pick order. You can go first. He's leading. He's leading oh, the yeah. oh, yeah, you, just pick, you just pick Carlos Condit. So oh, no, 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 no. I take that back. Um, yo, Mark, you go first. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I, I, I give this now to everybody else, and everybody gets real fucking vengeful <laughs> about it. I legitimately would just say stuff a time, you know. Like, I probably a few times where I made certain people go in certain order, but normally I'm just like, okay, you fucking go. These guys are like, you go. No, no, you man, go, man. You made me go. try to be strategic about it. Look, I'm just wrong sometimes. There's no strategy involved. I'm just wrong sometimes. These guys are thinking this shit out too much. Okay. No, there's the thing, but we're not thinking about it at all because we're just like, Mike, you picked the order. I was like, Mark, pick oh, I'm picking the Okay. I mean, just spur of the moment. Uh, no strategy at all. But Mike obviously has a strategy. He wants me to go first. But that's fine because this is actually a really tough fight to pick um, for all the wrong reasons. Like, like we mentioned before, it's not because these guys are in the peak condition and they're riding on some high and this has lots of riding on it, you know, contention wise. It's, you know, two guys that have been here for a long time that are basically staring retirement in the face. And it's tough because even though Carlos lost, like, oh, wasn't it his last six or his last five in a row? It's like five or six, yeah. It's all like really good guys. Like it's, it's all guys. I was like, okay, people lose to these guys. And Court McGee is is always kind of in and you know love the guy and, and hate to put this moniker on him, even though I love Journeyman. He's been kind of a Journeyman, right? He hasn't his records inconsistent. The the wins he has, even though there's some big ones like Whitaker way back in the day, they're just not super impressive um, overall. And I, I'm gonna go with Conant just because I've always it's one of those things like three years ago without even thinking about it. And it's really just like, does he still have it? You know, does he still does he still have that desire in him? I I think just on paper the skill set he's he's a more deadly stand up fighter. He's definitely a little more craftier on the ground. Um, so I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with Carlos Khan in this one, but I'm not gonna be surprised if Court McGee you know finishes him, knocks him out with you know an uppercut in the clinch or something because it's it's just this tough fight to call because you know they both have been on patchy roads for a while. Yeah, I would agree with that, Mark. Um, this is not the hill that I'm going to try to gain a, gain a game on. Um, Carlos Conde just has more more skills, like more and more tools in his toolbox than Court McGee. Um, in the battle of, uh, you know, man, they're my age, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, but in the battle of, uh, you know, washed people, I'm going to go with the guy with more skills. Um, who do you got on this one, Steph? Uh, I mean, it's tough to call this one. The, just want to talk about the wash fight. Usually, when we talk the wash fight, it means like one is washed up. 
But like, this isn't laundry day, Mike. This is um, I'm too poor to. Ha- I don't have machines. There's no machines in my building. I gotta go down the street to the laundromat. I'm surrounded by laundry. Someone pulled my stuff out of the washer because they wanted it, even though the dryer's not free. And shit just makes up. That's where we are. We are in the full-on public laundromat. I love. I love. We're including new analogies to this wash reference. There, there are this. laundry. Steph froze. Damn. Every day. Right, because he's a goddamn podcast. I like uh, how that we have every technical difficulty during yo, episode 400. Every single I, one. I think Guys, Steph, if you don't hear this podcast, we really did our best. I think, okay? Steph, <laughs> think what Steph said, I think right now, was fire from the way he had his gyrations going, but we heard none of it. All we yeah. got was the exclamation point at the end. It was yeah. just like, and that's why. And it was like, well, you know fuck. what? The long podcast, <laughs> Stephon just did it through the I mean, We, we got tech issues. Yeah, that definitely froze up. My exclamation point was I'm picking the friend of the goddamn podcast. The man who overcame heroin addiction. Um, And I don't expect it to be eventful. I expect him to clinch his way to a decision and just be stronger there. Um, I just think Condit just doesn't have much left. I could be wrong. He could starch this dude. He hasn't fought that recently. Maybe he's recharged. But um, in the battle of the laundry day, um, I'm taking the friend of the podcast. All right. Bobby, why don't you uh, finish us off? I got Corn McGee. Succinct as always. I mean, Stefan said a lot of it. And uh, just, you know, Stefan mentioned it. We give you guys a lot of shit. Um, Condit's a legend. And Court McGee having the career he's had in the UFC, he's been here 10 years and he's still here. And considering what that man came back from, he didn't he like, legally, he died, right? He flatlined at one point. And he came back, man. And he fights, so. I mean, but, I think you know, we, we, have some, we, have, we have some fun on this show, but just know that we're, you know, not everyone's here to be the champion, right? Some yeah. here are just to make a career of it and do as best as they can. And there's absolutely no shame in that. And yeah. that's why we like Cormac. He, he fights and does his best. Yeah, we're just we're having some fun. Except Mike, he means all of it. Um, yeah, so I got Cormac. Um, that's it. We're all we're not picking any other fights. I they don't deserve it. I mean, my girl Nico Montano is possibly there at the bottom, pending a million issues that are always wrong with her. Oh, she is on this card. I was gonna say, my girl. I thought, yeah, my girl Jin Yu Frey is on this. She doesn't win though, and I'd pick her, and she just keep losing. It's not good. I mean, yeah, Matanya is like a three hundred underdog. I don't want to pick that either. Um. So, guys, this is episode four hundred, and uh, before we just, I want to make a quick note here. So, um, I kind of uh, flipped out last week uh, during the hype for um, the card with Woodley and uh, Covington. And it was really the line about calling when Woodley was getting called a domestic terrorist. And um, I think I was telling Stefan, I'm like, this isn't fun for me. I'm not enjoying myself here. And it's one thing, like, things that we don't like about the fights, which is like, you know, oh, the fights, there's too many fights, or, you know, they're ruining the belts, or whatever many reasons we have with someone, what's going on. But, like, I don't need a, I don't need, there's one thing to, like, let people say whatever they want, but I don't need this shoved down my fucking throat. And I was literally like, I thought like, I'm like, this I mean, it was episode 400. I was thinking when we we're going to record on last week, I was like, we could just call it a day. I'm good. Um, but I like Mike, Mike made a good point to me where Mike's like, you know, I like doing this. And the reason I like doing it is really because I like doing the podcast. It's not about the fights. I like this act. I'm talking to the guys and once a week and stuff like that. And I'm never going to not like that. But um, this is a really dark time right now. And this isn't some fucking, like, game for me about trolling and shit like that. I mean, 
This guy came. The guy became president, and he said he was going to make it so people from the country my parents are from can't come here, and he did it. And this isn't a fucking game for me. And um, so I'm just going to say this. Um, you heard me say his name a minute ago. I'm going to say it one more time. Um, this is the last time on this podcast for as long as I am the host of the podcast or any episode I'm affiliated with, because I don't want to put this on the guys, that we say that man's name. He doesn't exist. He doesn't exist. Anybody who takes up any of the things he that he stands for doesn't exist. I don't care if he's the UFC fucking champion. That fight doesn't exist. Okay. I That's think that is just, a great idea, Bobby, and yep. it could be hilarious too. Because I would, I would not, love to see. You know what? I just I didn't watch. I mean, we didn't watch it. I didn't watch it. And look, part of the reason I didn't watch it is I mean, I, we all we we I mean we we all thought the fight was going to go the way it was. And I think the world of Tyron Woodley, which is funny considering when he started his career, I really didn't enjoy him. But I mean, as the person he is, Tyron Woodley's a, a father of four children, a man who came from Ferguson, Missouri, and became a professional mixed martial arts fighter. And I'm going emphasize the word professional because that man is professional, all right? Anything he's ever said or done is the man is trying to further his own career. And he deserved better than the treatment he got. And this isn't fucking pro wrestling where you need to, like, you know, play it up and this, this, and that. He's a character and shit like this. This isn't a fucking game. So I'm done. All right? And I'm... this organization does not get another dime from me. At least through November. Let me be clear about that. No, think about it after that because I don't need this shit enabled. This is my favorite sport. And they are making it, at least it was. And they're making it worse for me. So that was it. That so was I, I don't want to speak for uh, for the guys. I, I got to assume, I'm, I'm going to assume they're, they're with me on this. Um, when you mentioned last week before everything just kind of fell apart and we didn't have the podcast, when you mentioned. I don't want to discuss, um, you know, the, the guy you mentioned. I was completely fine with it. I was fine with just completely not mentioning that that main event happened. And I'm completely fine with basically just having a complete ban on speaking on anything on on him on this podcast going forward. We're not, you know, this isn't, this is fun, guys. This is, we do this for fun. We're not any sort of journalists. So I, we don't have any duty to cover anything. We, you saw we just ignore Bellator at, well, for months well, on we end. Are, we, we are journalists, Bobby, because we want to try to get, you know, credentials. I don't know, man. I tried to send Mike to Uncasville to go to Bellator, and Mike's just looking at it like Uncasville. I'm not a serious away. journalist. I'm okay. not going to Uncasville. Mike won't go to Bellator and Uncasville. Can't drive two hours. We drove to Fresno once and drove back that night. That was round trip. Yo, Fresno is mean, a real city. I don't know about y'all. I have a sense of I have a sense of shame. Um, after we went to that Bellator event and they're like, Hey, do you want to go to the post fight press conference? And we said, nah, we'd rather drive home. Um, I can't look Bellator in the eyes anymore, man. Well, you know what? <laughs> we, we, Mark and I have been to the post fight press conference now. So we, 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 we regained trust. I thought, but now they don't let us in. So I don't know if you guys want to say anything else. We just talked about the happy shit. It's been, it's episode 400, but if Mark or Steph want to say anything before I, I support, I love it. Fuck them. That's it. Okay. Um, this is 400 episodes, and I said why why I like doing this. Um, get to talk to my buddies once a week. I mean, I work with Mark, so it's nice. I see him every day anyway. Um, but when we weren't, uh, when we didn't, you know, when we were all stuck at home, me and Mark were 
Uh, this I didn't see him at all. This was the only way. And I said this when we got to episode 100. And I said I really liked that uh, this podcast made Mike, who my Google Home is talking. Great. That I really like it how um, this podcast, because Mike and I went to law school together on the other side of the country. And that's how Mike knows Mark and Steph. And it's one of my favorite things that Mike is friends with Mark and Mike is friends with Steph and they're act- they're just friends. And this podcast is why. I mean, I'm, I, I made that happen. But, you know, that's one of my favorite things. So um, what was I supposed to say? What I learned from this podcast, Mike? Yeah. Is there a thing you want us to do? Yeah, give, give or take. Um, something you've learned or something that you appreciate you got from the podcast. So you've covered that. I, yeah, I, I, and I like um, – I said it when I was going on my rant. I like doing this. It's not about the sport. I like the act of recording the podcast and talking to you guys. That's what I like. So that's my thoughts. We've done 400 of these. I'm kind of shocked we made it this long. So we'll see how much longer we go. Because I was ready to throw the fucking, you know, throw this shit out last week. Um, But Mike, what about you? (laughs) Yeah. So um, for me, it's going to be some of the things I think we've echoed at some of the other uh, seminal milestones. Um, one of them is one of the things you just kind of mentioned, um, without this podcast, uh, prob- most likely Steph and Mark would just be, you know, Bobby's friends, but, um, you know, you guys are two of the, two of the big reasons why, um, I, I enjoy doing this podcast. I, I would be talking to Bobby, even if we weren't doing this, but you know, like I, I love talking with you guys and I always love hearing your opinions and i just generally like talking to you guys so I'm, I'm happy that we're friends as a result of this of this podcast um one of the uh big things i was just thinking about this uh actually about two weeks ago when i was helping my uh nephew because he had a like a public speaking thing to do and one of the things i mentioned to him when i heard him give a speech was I was telling him about all his pregnant pauses and all his ums and you knows. And he asked me, how did you get so good at speaking and not using those pregnant pauses? And I told him, yeah, I've been doing about 398 episodes of a podcast. Well, probably more like 340 because I've I've missed a few. You were in Japan for an extended amount of time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, like this podcast has, has helped me immensely. You know, when it comes to actually speaking in public or just just speaking in general, I I remember with a lot of the uh, beginning episodes we had, it was fucking horrible to listen to because you realize one, oh my god, that's what my voice sounds like, and then two, oh my god, how many times do I say um, you know, and you know, uh, uh, those things, and then the other thing is. I didn't realize how much I missed. I would miss doing this podcast until I didn't have it for a year. That year in Japan was hard. You know, I really did miss not having the podcast to do every Monday. But one thing I truly did enjoy during that year was hearing the three of you, listening to the three of you the the next day on a Tuesday while while I was at work. So um, even if I wasn't doing this podcast, I would be a fan of it. Uh, stuff oh uh, yeah I, I i in terms of like you know what did we learn i'm sure i did learn something but um that's not really where my mind took when we wanted to kind of get a little reflection um i'm even though we we kind of just bagged on it and i bagged on our experience uh i'm really grateful for the opportunities that doing this brought to us 
Um, when Mark was in college and he worked for a radio station, uh, he took me as like a birthday gift. I think it was a birthday gift or it was just coincidentally in September uh, to a WEC show where he was working for the radio. Uh, I got to see these kind of like backstage credentials things. And I experienced that with the music industry, thanks to my sister who used to work for Geffen Records. And so I, I kind of, you know, getting that kind of uncommon peak that the common fan gets is something I've always appreciated. And, you know, um, will did we cover a lot of shows? No. Did we get to cover the big ones? And we were definitely rejected by the UFC a couple times. But, you know, even doing some of these, a Bellator Fresno show, right? I never expected to be at the media table. I never expected to have, like, you know, someone actually saying, like, what do you guys need? You do, guys you remember, need do you remember things? when I, like, remember when, like, I nerded out when I saw Dave Meltzer? I'm like, oh, my God, is Dave Meltzer sitting over there? Mm-hmm. That was so cool to me. <laughs> Still. Yeah, it's like, obviously, we're not at the level of some of these really, you know, accomplished writers, journalists, and everything. So to kind of occupy the same space, just because we were four guys who liked a thing so we decided to do a thing uh it's really cool to see when those kind of open like opportunities and open doors and experiences right you know we did we never made it into a career where we quit our other jobs but like it's you know i I was a hip-hop dancer for several years after college right but i never had any dreams of going on world tour with the next big band but you're thankful for those like moments and opportunities because it's just shit you'll always remember you know and that's that's what this has been from the conversations and things you know i I, i've been pretty open about i've been disenfranchised with the sport for a little bit you know bob before you even cancel the show i reached out and said hey i don't want to do the show guys um you know good luck i know it's the 400th episode i don't want to do it i don't want to watch these fights i don't want to talk about it i don't want to listen to you talk about it so i just am gonna bow out rather than be uh you know a debbie downer but we all kind of agreed with that so it's all good um and I just enjoy it, right? There was that period where sports had stopped, and I said, my, the most fun episodes we ever did, I don't care if we were hemorrhaging listeners. I don't care if no one listened to us. When we were doing those March Madness bracket things. That was shit was fun. You know, that's if we went to bars, those are the things we would sit across the table and fake have dumb arguments about, you know? Uh, especially in these pandemic times, I just don't have human interaction the way I used to. I just don't talk to people on the daily basis. So, you know, this is my weekly chance to bullshit with you guys. And I like bullshit and it's, it's fun. It's good to vocal exercise and work, you know, and it's with friends talking about shit we like and enjoy. So, um, that's just what friendship is. And I enjoy that part. Uh, Marcus, why don't you take care? Yeah, I'll wrap it up, which is always tough. Cause you guys all mentioned great things. I was going to mention everything Steph just talked about, about, you know, getting some credentials for us and stuff, just cause I, I did get to experience that. And just like Steph said, it's just insane. I remember when the guy used to do our podcast with, he goes by Zorak. I don't even remember what his real name is. We, everyone just calls him Zorak. And he was like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna try to get credentialed for strike force. I was like, what the fuck? They're not going to credential. That's really a college radio show. And it just really goes to show you like, you can get so much farther than your, you know, limited ego sometimes allows you to think you can just by attempting things. You know, I think so, so many obstacles in life we think are insurmountable. And then when you just try, you, you realize like, Oh, these doors have handles that you just have to try to open them. And it, it's kind of amazing. You know, you can, you can get stuff and you can go further than you actually imagine. Cause it's also like that imposter syndrome, you know, no one thinks they should be where they are. You know, they just, you just play it off. Like you've been there the whole time, but I guess, you know, Obviously, I loved having this platform to talk to you guys. 
on every week, you know, not just about fighting, but stuff we like. We've already gone over that. So the selfish thing I'm going to say is that I've always liked talking about fights. And I definitely felt over the course of this show, doing the last, like, what, seven years or something, that I've, I enjoy analyzing fights now much more than I did when I was in college and, um, you know, doing the other podcasts and stuff. Uh, I think just doing it so regularly with you guys, um, has really just allowed me to enjoy that process a lot more. And I do like rewatching fights in a different way. I mean, honestly, I, I've always been fascinated with the sport. I think that's the other thing that I want to you know say I really appreciate is that like, this was something that when I've got back into it, it was very much kind of my thing, right? Like Bobby and Steph knew I liked watching fights. Sometimes I'd make them watch fights and they enjoy it. But I I was the person that was like, I I love this. This is kind of my thing. And I'm going to, you know, keep up on it and watch as many fights as I can and be part of those conversations and whatever. Um, And I always knew that Bobby and Stefan and a large portion of the public would also really like this sport um, because there's a lot to it more so than just having it be, you know, a kind of blood sport, you know, limited rules, combat sport, you know, I always felt it could take off and we've seen it take off, you know, and over the course of the show, we've seen it grow in kind of what I feel plateau um, into what it is. But all these things are just stuff. I, I uh, really appreciate that the show has allowed, you know, me to appreciate this sport now more than I would. Um, and and kind of like what we talked about earlier, the sports in a, in a, a pretty decent place. It, it's reached a fandom that I think is, that it should have reached, you know, when I was in college and it was very niche and the ultimate fighter was just starting and it, and people in the new that, you know, pe- MMA, hardcore MMA fans knew like this is going to appeal to a lot of people. Cause there's a lot to dig into this sport. There's a lot more going on than just two dudes fighting. There's so many aspects of this game that when you really drill down into it and God forbid you train in it for a little bit and you get another layer of like, just how, amazing it is that like these athletes do what they do um you know there's going to be an audience for it so it's been fun to see that grow and it's just been fun to be able to to have a platform to uh talk about it because it's something i am passionate about and you know the other passion i have is like video games and i don't have an outlet for that and it's tough sometimes to be like i'm really passionate about these things and things are happening and i want to talk about it and this shows another platform for that because we do stuff we like and that's another you know little avenue we get to talk about it but i i just i i appreciate the show for, for those many different things i just announced you know talking to you guys um being able to you know cover this thing that i've had a very big passion for a long time and and have it be to a point where it's not completely niche you know it used to you know i used to tell people like oh you do what do you do a podcast about like oh mma you throw out ufc maybe they knew what that was a lot of times even that was a stretch so you know it's just it's been it's been a fun ride to to follow something in such of its infancy to grow to where it is now and and like I was, I was alluding to earlier, it, it's kind of disappointing because I do feel like the sport could be in a more interesting, vibrant place. And I think about what Pride was doing in its heyday and how big it was. And and not just how big it was and how accepted it was in Japan, um, but just how fucking fun those fights were. And it probably was because they allowed dudes to soccer kick each other and allowed knees to the head. And they allowed people to take steroids, test for any of that shit. It was just kind of bonkers, crazy land, but I loved it. And, you know, seeing what the UFC is now, and we have all these issues with the company and I mean, outside of just like how they're treating the fighters with pay and stuff like that, you know, political things now getting charged into it just muddies it up more. But 
I think I've always taken solace and enjoyment that like when I'm watching the fights, it and, and like I've said so much on the last couple like maybe months or so is like I'm just here for the fights now. Like when and when I watch the fights, and that's why you know Bobby and Mike will watch the fights together, and I don't often join them because. I don't find watching these fights live enjoyable anymore. It's more just of a, uh, I like to watch it the day after. I just fast forward. They fight. End of the round. I skipped in the next round. They fight right when the fight's over. Go to the next fight. And it's, you know, because that, that's really all I'm trying to get out of the sport. So it's unfortunate the place it's in because it could be in such a more interesting place. Well, you also, place, I mean, but... most be honest, you missed, you missed the social experience of my, uh, of, of the Hormel meat tray. That's when you come to Bobby's house. The salami, cheese, and crackers. Oh, that's really well, that, that is, that is, I mean, going to, and going and watching the fights with Bob has always been really fun. And, and now that we have like a really nice place here, I'm going to have the guys come over here whenever that's socially acceptable. I know I've been ranting. It, it's kind of tough. You know, and I think no, we've man, all you... hit different things, but yeah, the show's been awesome. Um, real quick, since we do stuff we like, and this is a long podcast, I'm just going to say mine real quickly. But uh, thank you all for listening. All of you have listened. I say it every week, but we would, I mean, I'm not sure we would post it. I mean, but we, I mean, we, we do this for us. And any of you who listen, we appreciate it. If you find us funny or interesting or anything like that, or ever reached out to us on Twitter or anything like that, we appreciate it too. So, um, and my favorite thing ever to happen in this podcast is Mike decided Batman vs Superman is the worst movie that ever existed in human history, and stood on that fucking and, de- and just made that argument for forty minutes. <laughs> forty. Minutes. I want to find that podcast episode and listen to it again. We've talked about it before. I mean, I, my second favorite is when Mike gave the worst and most boring stuff we like, and then it got real dark. <laughs> And it was like maybe 25 minutes long. Before you said it got dark, I was going to be like, which time? But, you know, I love you, Mike. And then I legitimately lost it. Like the technology made it. We lost the episode. And Stefan, I I called Stefan and told him. And he didn't even, not even a half second beat. I'm usually angry when we've lost an episode due to tech issues. But I was just like. I don't think that's so bad this time, Bobby. Yeah, you're like, I might have been for the best. Was this the episode when I came back from Japan? Yeah, where Mike was jet-lagged talking about a World War II museum. None of you ever heard this, but it was Mike, the darkest shit ever. Mike explained how when you were got vaporized by the nuclear blast, it left your ashy shadow on the wall. Yeah, and I'm like, and how do we get here? Guys, I have been home less than a day. Wait, Dude, you, were, you know where you were. Um, all right. Anyway, stuff we like real quick. I'm going to plug two things I've probably said before. Um, the New Day podcast with Sami Zayn is excellent. Um, Sami Zayn is just a real genuine dude. And it's cool to listen to that. I plugged the New Day. I would tell you to listen to New Day pod, New Day podcast every week. It is a very good podcast. It reminds, us of, reminds, me of, uh, reminds me of our podcast, and it's just like a bunch of friends bullshitting. And sometimes they'll have a topic, sometimes they won't. We were we are a hundred percent gonna steal their best action movie bracket. That is coming at some point. Um the other one, and this is gonna sound interesting uh, a little bit, is actually JR's podcast. And it's interesting, Steph, I've and we've had conversations about this, how much I don't enjoy Jim Ross on commentary anymore. I just don't think he has it. It's not good. I get some people like him, but that's a side note. Um, I really enjoy his podcast because when he tells stories about why they did certain things, because it's essentially just a retro, it's a podcast where he talks about old wrestling. And most of the stuff wrestling they talk about is stuff that like when Mark and uh, Stefan and I were in, you know, in school, we'd talk, we'd watch and talk about. So when he's like, they ask him, hey, why'd you book this match? This made no sense. Or this was really bad. 
he doesn't give a fuck, quite frankly. So when someone says it was bad, he'll be like, yeah, man, it was real bad. I don't know why we did it. I don't know what Vince was thinking. This is terrible. Or like, yeah, I really blew that. The man doesn't give a fuck. So his honesty is refreshing. And there's a lot of podcasts like that right now where old wrestling podcasts and stuff. I like his because fundamentally he doesn't give a fuck. And that probably makes his announcing worse. But it makes his podcast interesting. That's what I got this week. Um, Steph, you got anything? <laughs> yeah. Um, but first, uh, before I go into stuff I like, I'm going to go into one little quick rant about stuff I don't like. And uh, that was my inability to uh, get all the motherfuckers in my life to play a nice $5 game called Among Us. Uh, I, Bobby, I give you props. You found it on the Steam store. You were more ready than most. Mark had to set up his computer. He never told me if he did. Uh, I asked Mike, would you be interested in this? Mike said, what's that? We provided the follow-up, and Mike decided, I don't need to say yes or no from this moment oh, forward. Wait, all right, so that's on me. My bad. <laughs> I did do some follow-up. I did watch some Among Us on YouTube. I think I commented either to Bobby or in the group chat, this game seems fun. I opened up Steam to download the game, and then I forgot. I literally said, I am in. Just let me know when. And you, Bobby, I was following up on a lot of individual fronts. And let's just say you're the only one who gave me a hard I'm in. Uh, Eddie went camping, so I don't blame him. He was out of town. You know, uh, Mark, you got two computers. The missus can play, too. You know? I, could, uh, I, I can't so, convince people um, to play free game. It is up to 10 players. I think it'd be fun to bullshit with each other. Like we said, we just talked about this is a podcast where we bullshit with each other. That's a video game where we bullshit each other. Um, anyway, still want to get that going um, in terms of things. It was a kind of old shit catch up for me. Um, things that have been out for a minute uh, and I never gave a chance, but I finally got around to um, mentioned to Mike. I picked up the anime Shonen series, Hunter Hunter. Heard about it for a long ass time. It's, there's nothing I knew I have to say about it. Um, got through the first season of it because the first four seasons are on Netflix. Um, that makes it super digestible to watch. Um, I saw a movie I really liked, and it's absolutely absurd that I'd never seen this movie to this point. Um, and that is why my sister forced me to watch it. I'm talking about Best in Show. Um, comedy hit from, what, 2004? Three? Early like decades. It's one of those movies where as soon as I saw the cast, it, like, okay, this is every character actor of comedy I've seen in the last two decades. They're all here in this movie. I like, is that like a show about dogs? Wait, wait, I was like, I'm going to interrupt this right now to say, Stefan, for the love of God, start watching Shit's Creek, but go ahead. Continue. Yeah. Eugene <laughs> Levy uh, is one of the, the big stars of it. Um, yeah, Mike, it's a, it's a comedy based on people who are involved in dog shows. Uh, sounds like you haven't seen it either, but um, it is so funny. It is. I'd always heard it's a comedy classic, right? It's not anything that's like obscure to me. I, I'd always known. It was just one of those things I, I didn't get around to. Um, really loved it. Really loved that. Uh, one new thing I mentioned to you, Bob, I only watched one episode so far. And uh, there's something in the end of the first episode where uh, I started cry laughing um, that I had to pause it because I was laughing so hard. It's some dumb shit. It's not necessarily an overt joke. But if you watch the first episode of the American Barbecue Showdown, I think it's called, um, Mark, I mentioned to you, it's... I'm pretty sure it's the guy who made the floor is lava show because that bearded corny asshole is here in full effect again. He's like 80% turned down though. He he's significantly more hammy in the floor is lava show, which is an inherently hammy show. But, um, it's kind of funny. It's just watching a, a bunch of American stereotypes cook delicious ass barbecue. Um, and it'll make you hungry as fuck when you are eating a bag of Doritos watching it. 
So um, I recommend checking it out if you like watching a cooking show. But um, maybe have good food with you when you do, such that you're not just incredibly hungry eating junk like I did. Uh, Mike. I'm hearing my brother cough up a lung. I know who I'm staying away from for the next week or so. Um, so in honor of episode 400, I'm going to do one of our time-honored traditions here on Stuff We Like, where one or two people talk about one thing that they like, and then one other person finally catches up to that thing, maybe about two, two or three months later, and says, yo, that thing is actually pretty good. In this case, it's Final Fantasy VII Remake. I finally got around to playing it. <laughs> nice. That's not that long. That's not that bad. How much, was the, discount, how much was the discount, Mike? What made it finally palatable to add to cart? Um, it was like 20 bucks off. That was enough. That's not bad. Me. That's not bad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, really good. Um, I like the changes that they, they made to the game. Um, I like the action system. And I like the side quests that they've added. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but those um, Turks, those they weren't in the original Final Fantasy VII, right? No, they were. Um, yeah, Rio, oh. Reno, and Rude. Oh, they were. Mm-hmm. Shit. I mean, they. I, guess- I don't think they were in the beginning part. I don't. I think a lot of stuff they add here. Well, besides the church, Reno's definitely in the church. He confronts Aerith. I don't know how far you are. So I don't want to explore. Yeah, yeah, I'm up. But to, yeah, uh, they, they, yeah, that's that, that's not new. All right, well, Final Fantasy VII remake. Um, yeah, it's really good. You guys check it out. Uh, Mark. Uh, yeah. So uh, I'm just gonna do video game stuff real quick. There was a lot of news the last couple weeks. Um, both systems dates are announced: uh, November 10th for Xbox, and November 12th for PlayStation Five. Um, High-end models are $4.99 each. Uh, the discless PS5 is $3.99. And I think the Xbox Series S is like $2.50. Do you guys remember how much that was? I think it was like $2.50. It's like insane. Um, and besides that, uh, also Microsoft bought Bethesda. That was kind of a big move that happened last week. So, yeah, th- those guys are, are making plays. And it's it's kind of interesting that we are basically almost in October. And they just now got that stuff out. Um while everyone was doing pre-orders for those things, I made my own video game-related purchase, and I bought a Marvel vs. Capcom arcade one-up small cabinet, which is basically the same amount that the Xbox uh, Series X and PS5 is. But um, yeah, um, I think we talked about it. Uh, I, we moved into a new place. We got an extra room. Uh, I used to have an arcade cabinet that I got rid of not even that long ago. Um, so I've been thinking of getting another one and eventually modding it to kind of, you know, play a whole bunch of stuff. So um, you know, there's a couple different options out there. I went with the Marvel vs. Capcom uh, arcade one-up that's exclusive to Best Buy. Um, I really like the arcade one-up stuff. Uh, it, they've done a lot of interesting games. Um, but I did want something I'd be able to mod, something that would have uh, six-button layouts so I could play other Street Fighter and fighting games pretty easily. So, um, yeah, this one's actually pretty cool. has five games, Marvel vs. Capcom, Marvel vs. Street Fighter, X-Men vs. Street Fighter, Marvel Super Heroes. And there's actually, it's really weird. They have a Sega Genesis game called Marvel War of the Gems. I don't think I've ever played. Um, that's also on there. Oh, um, dude. That, you know that is- one? Marvel Superheroes War of the Gems, that is the originator of that type of fighting game. That's one where like you could have the uh, the six infinity gems, right? 
Oh, yeah, you're thinking, yeah, so that is Marvel superheroes. That is a Capcom fighting game. That's the one where you collect the different gems and Thanos right. is in there. Uh, War of the Gems, I mean, I honestly never played it. It was a Genesis game. It was kind of like a two-person oh. beat-em-up, so it's a little bit different. But, but yeah, um, that game has five games. I like all those games a lot. Um, so I'll, I'll enjoy that arcade cabinet before I mod it. Um, and then I did just want to give a shout-out to last week. Uh, Vanillaware released their latest game on PS4 called 13 Sentinels Agnes Rim, I think. Um, I've been a big fan of this uh, developer. They really make just some of the most beautiful 2D style games, you know, out there. They did um, Odin Sphere back on PS2. Uh, their last game was Dragon's Crown, which I was also a big fan of. And they've been working on 13 Sentinels for a really long time. And there hasn't really been a ton known about it until somewhat recently when it released in Japan last year. Um, I'll just say this, like the, the big selling point of this game is its story. So it plays a lot like kind of like a visual novel where you're kind of just, you know, going through dialogues with characters. Um, and it's really the story. That's the selling point in this game. And it's a sci-fi futuristic mech verse kaiju story. And I, I'm, I'm still pretty early in it, but it's really good. And that's why I was interested in this game because the battle system they have in this game when you're playing as the mechs versus kaiju is this top-down view and it doesn't utilize the insanely talented art they do at Vanillaware. It's a very very generic looking kind of like battle system, which has been a huge turnoff because it's these guys are so good at creating visual like masterpieces. Having a battle system that utilized that would have been really cool. But the story so far, and I'm still in the uh, tutorial, has been fantastic uh, you get sucked into the characters and the storyline almost immediately and i'm still I'm, there's still so many question marks and everything i hear from this game is like constant plot twist constant mind fucks and just great written dialogue characters and you know the like three hours i played so far has proven that to be correct and a lot of people say even the battle system is kind of fun at the end of the day so yeah i've really been digging 13 sentinels it kind of seems like a uh, dark horse uh for this year not a lot of people talking about it but it's been really fun so yeah that's what I got. Um, all right. That's it this week. Uh, as I sit and continue to pray that Patrick Mahomes does not murder me um, and my fantasy team. Um, we've been doing this a while, 400 episodes. Thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Um, we'll be back next week. We're going to see this Aldana and uh, home result. I want to say the following week's card is uh, Marais. Marlon Marais versus Corey Sandhagen. I think you're right. Which is a fucking banger of a fight um i was gonna see if i could real quickly see uh what the hell the rest of the fight card was because didn't see a lot of fights so it's like a heavyweight uh, right but ben rothwell marcin tybora uh yeah this ain't great i like big ben but that that's that's the co-main event it's almost like this is just okay there's a whole bunch of hypothetical fights here um yeah we're gonna talk about that um i think paul daly's fighting in two days we'll see if he wins oh, yeah um but thank you all for listening um i say it all the time really mean it we really do appreciate it and um yeah watch out for your mail-in ballot folks see y'all next week i was dr law that was kid presentable that was lavender gooms and that was dj mark peace out see ya Peace.